Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 61, the double review for Bohemian Rhapsody and Halloween. East and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, Hyperson55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion, and once again, I have to apologize for, you know, pulling a disappearing act. Honestly, I had things sorted. There were... The wheels essentially were in motion for me to go about and do certain reviews on certain TV shows, and some of those projects that I said I've been working on for ages, but... Life happened, man. I just got so busy with, you know, other outside activities related to my illustration, my animation projects. You know, work crept up on me and there was a uh, Hindu I had to attend in Brighton, like, uh, was it last week? And that just got a little out of control. And yes, I did say Hindu mainly because my friend, who was a girl, doesn't have any girl mates. So she invited a whole lot of her guy mates to go to this, you know, pre-wedding session thing. And it was fun, don't get me wrong, but my goodness, I didn't have any time. To do anything. So, I was actually planning to do something completely different for the next episode of Film Focus. If you'd seen the Twitter beforehand, it was related to, uh, was it Matilda? Um, which was part of a whole list of other films that I wanted to talk about. But, I went to the cinema recently. And I ended up seeing the two films that are in the title card. Bohemian Rhapsody and Halloween. And I knew beforehand that I might want to talk about these films, but having seen them, I was just like, nope, nope, nope. This is going to be the next topic for the uh, podcast. And since I didn't have enough to fill out an entire episode for each of these films, I just decided, screw it, cram them into one episode. And this is where we are right now with this double review. It's been a little bit since the last one. Actually, the last episode was a double review, wasn't it? With A Star is Born in Venom. So, yeah. I got some stuff to say about both of these films, and this is going to be a very, very loose review. I'm just going to be talking very broad strokes, try to clarify as much detail as possible, but there may be mistakes along the way, so bear with me, please be nice, um, or don't be nice, it's your choice, but yeah. First we'll talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, and then we'll talk about Halloween, because that's the order that I saw these films in. So without further ado, let's jump into it, baby! Alright, and now it's time to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, a film I've been following for a good few years and had on and off again interest because I was curious about a Queen biopic, obviously following the life of Freddie Mercury, but I was never like super interesting. Because here's the thing, as a British citizen, you know, growing up in the UK, Queen is pretty much part of life in the UK. There is no way that you can grow up without having known about Queen in some way, shape or form. They're on the radio almost every time, especially on any radio station related to Heart, Magic or any other sort of radio station that's like, oh, let's listen to music from yesteryear. Queen will be on rotation in some way, shape or form. I first came across Queen when I was, you know, growing up in the 90s, um, listening to, I think was it, uh, 
you know, the radio, but also Queen showed up a lot on TV and, you know, advertising, but I mainly know of their music from the UK version of the Gladiators TV show. I'm pretty sure whenever one of the contestants went up against the Gladiators and if they lost, you could hear them play Another One Bites the Dust, and that was literally probably my first favorite song from Queen, because I'm just like, boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 but it is such a great song. And then, obviously, as you grow up, you just hear more of these songs from We Are the Champions to uh, obviously Bohemian Rhapsody. And, uh, you know, I just learned of Queen via a whole lot of other people. A lot of my friends who, um, you know, obviously being white, you end up like, you know, is it learning a lot about Queen through them and their parents? And I've, I never grew up with Queen. You know, in my household, obviously being black, we just had a lot more, you know, other different types of music to play. So I never had, like, you know, this massive attachment to the Queen like a lot of the UK public does. But I had a Queen phase during, like, you know, is it college to uni where I used to listen to a lot of their music, but then I just didn't listen after a while. Um, but I was curious to see this Queen story just to see, you know, was it, there's a lot of background details. I didn't know nothing about, like, you know, Freddie Mercury, the formation of this group, how they came up with certain stuff. And just seeing a film, you know, made by Brian Singer that was outside of the X-Men universe, it intrigued me. So yeah, I just gave you a little mini history lesson of my experience with Queen as well as, you know, was it talking about, you know, some of the background details about this film. But yeah, anyway, Bohemian Rhapsody, I was curious. But then when I saw the trailers for it, I was like, oh, this actually could be pretty good. And then when I was on Letterboxd the other day, I saw that my best mate from college, Chris, um, he had given the film like four stars. So I'm like, okay, well, bloody hell, definitely going to have to give it a watch. So I watched it the other day. And you know what? I thought it was pretty damn good. There are certain things that knowing, you know, was it after doing some research, learning about some of the dramatic liberties that the film took, make me call into question whether it was entirely necessary for them to be put in the film in the way in which they were. But that being said, I thought the film was good. And it's definitely, in my opinion, one of my favorite films from Brian Singer in years. So yeah, as per usual, we'll talk about the story, characters, and then, you know, the presentation, and obviously the conclusion at the end. So without further ado, let's jump in. So the story of Bohemian Rhapsody is pretty simple. It chronicles the life and times of Queen from their humble beginnings to becoming one of the most notable bands in the history of the world, seeing how they went from, you know, small life performances to being on world tours, creating some of their most notable music and albums, seeing the struggles within the band, and also chronicling obviously the life of Freddie Mercury, one of the most charismatic and incredible showmans in the history of music, from his early days to becoming the sort of flamboyant, larger than life presence that, you know, obviously changed the way music was made and his incredible voice, learning about his relationship with Mary, but then also the exploration of his sexuality, the the age stuff that obviously kicks in and then eventually ending at the point of the Live Aid concert at 1985 and it is an interesting journey. Now, I have no clue about Queen, I have never done any proper research, I only know bits and bobs here and there but honestly this film was very interesting to me. Just seeing how Freddie, like, you know, was it came about with the relationship he has with his family, especially his father, how he sent him off to go about and do certain things, but Freddie was more interested in music and pursuing his dreams. And seeing how he obviously came into contact with the 
band and then how they eventually formed Queen, made their first album, got really experimental with the way in which they created some of their music and seeing the highs and lows of their relationship as they grew and then obviously people paying attention to Freddie and his relationships and how that started to affect not only the band but obviously his um, relationship with Mary and then obviously some of the, you know, was it parties and you know loneliness and struggles and all this other sort of next level drama that has been noted in certain you know is it documentaries and news about like you know is it how certain people in the world of music get to a certain level of fame and then obviously the world starts to crumble around them they experience so many different ranges of emotions and this film did a really good job of at least for me as someone who doesn't really know much about Queen of enthralling me in this world learning about Queen seeing how they got from point A to point B and the annoying thing is that they have such an interesting history not only just with Freddie but with the band itself it feels like there's so much details that they could have gone into but obviously the film can only be so long so there are certain points where you're seeing the origins of magic happen but it feels like so much time is skipped over you're just like wait 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 could you just go back to this or what happened between this period and this period so for as much detail as they cover it's it was never going to be enough and for all the stuff that he did cover it still felt like there was chunks of the film that I would have liked to have seen more of and with any biopic there is going to be you know was it historical inaccuracies and certain things played up for dramatic effect and for all the biopics I've seen, not many, but I've known of a good few different levels of, you know, was it historical accuracy is done. And some of my favorite, like, you know, biopics do take dramatic liberties here and there. You know, is it one of my most favorite recent ones was Get On Up with Chadwick Boseman. And that's one of my favorites just because it had such a sense of charisma. But, you know, was it had these really interesting moments where it felt a little bit more psychological and introverted, which was really cool. And this film, I've heard that people say it's a by-the-numbers kind of biopic, and it definitely sort of chronicles the, you know, life and times of Freddie and Queen in a sort of, I guess, conventional manner. But there are so many magical, like, you know, was it sort of montages and moments where you're just really getting into it. And some of it really works, especially, you know, in the context of film. And obviously when you're creating film, your first priority is to go about and make a good film that's engaging for the audience. And obviously if the historical elements don't work for the film, you're going to have to like, you know, is it work some other things out for the film to be more engaging. And I feel like this film for the most part did everything well. My only issue would be is that um, after doing some research and looking into certain things that, you know, clearly didn't happen in real life, I was wondering was it really necessary for some of these elements to be done in the way in which they were now obviously i'm not a filmmaker and i don't know the uh, proper ins and outs of uh, you know is it what would have worked in this film but yeah some of this stuff even as like you know not a well-versed queen fan some of the things i knew didn't actually happen in real life so it was sort of strange to see them happen but again as an overall story though i thought it was pretty engaging and fun the film moved at a pretty brisk pace and some of the dramatic elements, um, especially involving Freddie and, you know, was it Mary and some of these sort of individual quieter scenes were really powerful. And I feel like, you know, is it is some of the best directed material that Brian Singer's worked on for a while. It just feels like there's a certain level of confidence and good structure there. So, yeah, I was enjoying the story. 
So when it comes to the cast, I feel like everybody did their part in this film really well. When it comes to the other members of Queen, beyond obviously Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury, I really enjoyed Gilliam Lee, Ben Hardy and Joseph Mazzello as Brian May, Roger Taylor and John Deacon. All of them brought their interesting quirks and dramatic elements to the film that worked really well. I really like Ben Hardy because um, even though I'm not really the biggest fan of EastEnders, seeing how far he's come from there to in this film was pretty impressive and I really liked his performance in this film. And Mazzello is John Deacon. I don't know who casted him in this film, but they deserve a bloody big pat on the back and maybe buy him a good few drinks because this is one of the most accurate looking versions of, you know, is it casting to a real life person I've ever seen. Now obviously in biopics you don't have to have someone that looks exactly like the real life person they're portraying, but this was pitch perfect. I don't look at John Deacon too often, but put them side by side like they did in the credits of this film, they look so similar! And it was fantastic! Whoever casted that person, you are brilliant! I always like Aidan Gillen in anything and him as John Reed like a uh, Queen's manager was pretty good. Tom Hollander as Jim Beach, I really liked him in this film. I mainly remember him from I think it was Mission Impossible number 5. So uh, seeing him in this film and how he contributed to it was really good. Mike Myers as Ray Foster, the EMA executive, he was pretty good. And I also really like Lucy Boynton, Boynton, Boynton. Man, I'm going to butcher that name. Um <laughs> hate me in the comments but yeah uh, Lucy who played Mary Austin Freddie's girlfriend she was really good she had some really beautiful tender and amazing moments with uh, Rami Malek on screen and she was wonderful and speaking of obviously Rami Malek he is the shining star of this film I knew the kid was talented again I've watched like you know was it Mr. Robot and this kid was pretty incredible but for someone to completely transform into another character and embody so many of those minute, subtle details in such an incredible, charismatic and just insane way is crazy. There was only a handful of times where I could still see Rami Malek's face and, you know, was it him in a sort of performing kind of role, but I got lost in it. I don't know Freddie Mercury that well, I've not seen too many performances from him besides obviously certain archive footage and videos here and there, but it felt like I was watching Freddie Mercury and he channeled that to the nines. I loved everything about his performance, especially the physical stuff on stage where you just see him flamboyantly running around doing all these poses and Malik was incredible, just incredible, I loved it. From a presentation point of view, this film was really well handled. There was some really good stuff done with like animating certain title cards and the way in which they were able to lift that sort of 1970s disco illuminating light kind of look for some of the text and the scene transitions was really good. What they were able to do with uh, the camera work creating these really large and in life situations with some of the stage work, the framing of certain scenes is really good and obviously some of this, uh, you know, some of the larger scale like um, stuff like the Live Aid concert obviously implemented some uses of CGI but some of it looked pretty seamless, some of it looked a little noticeable but overall everything was filmed in a way that just felt very intimate and you was like part of what was happening on screen. And obviously the use of the Queen music was fabulous. You pretty much heard 
most of their greatest hits in the film and they were implemented in such a great way from obviously the construction point where you see these guys coming up with the music to um you know obviously seeing it used in certain scene transitions between you know as it scenes as well it's really good so that leads us to the conclusion what did i think of bohemian rhapsody i think i might need to watch it again because i did give the film four stars on letterboxd and i think that was just really how I was feeling at the time, but I think that might change. I might need to see the film a second time just to have a proper accurate opinion on it. But Bohemian Rhapsody, for me, is one, like I said before, one of the best films that I've liked from Brian Singer in a good while. The cast were really good. The use of the Queen music was great. You really get that sense of joy, energy, and wonderfulness seeing these guys play and create. And Rami Malek again, incredible in the role so good all right and now it's time to talk about halloween a film that i'd been really interested in taking a look at just because of one the people who were involved with making the film two the way in which the film was changing the continuity of the halloween franchise and then just deciding to you know throw it all away and just act as a direct sequel to the original and three specifically just to see how a modern version of halloween would work in today's you know movie climate because obviously halloween and its many sequels came out at a time where you know the horror genre was just trying to find its legs creating you know was it new and interesting things on very low budgets and you know establishing you know was it certain cozy conventions that would go on to become staples of the horror genre going forward and I've never seen in the Halloween films, I will say that right now, mainly because up until, what, 2013, unless I was forced into a situation to actually watch horror films, I never watched any of that stuff because I'm like, I'm a coward, obviously. Um, I've made that no secret on this podcast since 2016, but I have slowly but surely been working my way up into, you know, was it, you know, gaining a bit of courage, you know, was it, and just watching some of these films, and... The Halloween films, I was at least going to watch maybe the first two before watching this new one. But again, time was against me. And I've essentially seen enough reviews and retrospectives and, you know, just general uh, coverage of the Halloween series from the first film up until the last one, where I understand the general gist of who Michael Myers, who Michael Myers is and, uh, you know, was it how he operates and you know the many different films in which you know was it where they're good they're bad and they're just absurd so yeah i mean i was clued in so i wasn't going into this being like oh what's halloween i don't know what that is i know exactly who the killer is yeah you know his significance on the horror genre and like obviously the significance of having this story be done in the way in which it was done and with the really good you know positive word of mouth about the film like you know was it early on when i think it was at one of those film festivals i was like okay well that's good i like seeing uh you know was it old franchises return with you know rejuvenated blood new you know filmmakers behind it and seeing how they'd be able to you know make it work i mean we saw it you know the uh was it remake that last year really take off and that was really fun so i was just curious how would halloween work and you know was it with all this positive word of mouth going in i was hyped but then hearing from some people that i know mainly like uh, some friends of mine but also certain people i follow online saying that you know the film was just all right to you know not very good i was like oh i was you know hesitant so i w- i waited a little bit longer to go about and watch the film and 
having seen it now, I'm going to say straight up, I thought the film was pretty good. At certain points, it was really good. And some of the stuff that the uh, filmmakers chose to do in terms of the atmosphere, some of the kills, and the uh, character development, and the way in which they use Laurie Strode and her family, and obviously uh, Michael Myers as well, some of that stuff was really, really good. However, I feel like this film missed the goofy opportunities with the story and, you know, was it the sense of dread and atmosphere that comes with modern horror films that it could have capitalized on the, uh, you know, bringing this franchise back into the public consciousness in a much stronger way. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. So as per usual, we talk about story, characters, presentation, and then overall conclusion. So without further ado, we're going to jump into this thing. So the story of this film can be summarized as the following. Basically, it takes place 40 years after the original Halloween. Michael Myers has been, you know, locked up in this mental asylum for ages. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have Laurie Strode, the lady that's been traumatized by this geezer from many, many years ago. And she's been prepping for the day that he, you know, might just escape so she can kill him. She's fortified her house with all the latest tech gadgets and all that sort of stuff she's trained herself to be more than capable of taking him out with all different types of weaponry and traps in her house and all this sort of stuff she's prepped so hard and had such traumatic experiences with this guy that has messed with the relationship that she has with her daughter and her granddaughter she's estranged from her family lives in isolation and has these sort of episodes of like you know is it fear obviously dealing with like the, the trauma of her history of Michael. Now Michael Myers, he's locked away, he's about to be transferred to an even more secure and you know closed off environment, but the bus that he's on, it crashes, he escapes, and then he goes on the hunt to go about and find Laurie and you know all chaos ensues. So what follows after that is Laurie prepping for her re-engagement with Michael and who interesting things go on from that point for the most part i thought the story was pretty solid in this film i liked the more realistic approach that they took not only dealing with laurie strode having like you know post-traumatic stress disorder you know relating to michael myers but also them sort of diving into the more psychological elements of why michael is who he is you know with the uh reporter slash podcast people trying to like you know is it learn about him then you have that psychiatrist doctor guy who has been you know was it studying michael myers for years and you know learning about him and why he's so fascinated with michael myers and he's been like you know obviously studying him for how many years and obviously seeing the effect he's had on laurie strode and how she's had to try and deal with this and seeing how you know it's obviously messed her up a lot there's a lot of you know really human and relatable elements that was implemented in this film in a really cool and interesting way and i liked that this felt like they were taking the character seriously but i also enjoyed the fact that this film had time to you know was it poke fun at the franchise have these nice references to the past and you know was it be self-aware and have these sort of nice wink and uh you know, nice wink, wink, nudge, nudge sort of moments for people who have paid attention to the franchise for this long. It's just um, a lot of fun to be had. And I like the humor in the film. While it doesn't work all the time, some of it is pretty well placed and leads to like some pretty decent moments. 
and I also enjoyed how it feels familiar with all the sort of codes and conventions that you'd expect with horror films from like you know was it the 70s and 80s but it's sort of modernizing it modern <laughs> I can't even say the word modernizes it in a way that feels like you know contemporary and right you know it sort of strikes a balance between being modern and familiar and that is to the film's you know strength and detriment at the same time make no mistake this film is pretty good but at the same time I feel like it's sort of walking a you know tightrope trying to be like you know was it a uh, a tie to the past but also trying to uh, you know do its own thing and you know create some new and interesting scenarios and I feel like the film was sometimes at odds with itself sometimes it was trying to be scary but it wasn't effective but then sometimes it was scary but it wasn't scary enough the film does suspense well and you know is it when it really works and you're like you know building suspense and there's mystery and tension it works but I didn't feel as afraid and I didn't feel the uh, the tension and like you know the fear as much as I would have liked there's a certain type of atmosphere that comes with horror films especially the modern ones that you kind of expect and this film had it at points but just not enough of it I didn't feel the same sort of you know tension and fear that I got from uh, you know certain horrors or thriller horrors that I've seen in recent years like say Green Room or It or Blair Witch even though a lot of people hated Blair Witch I thought it was still pretty good or Don't Breathe and even to a degree this year's Hereditary as well there's just a certain type of mood a feeling of dread and uneasiness that comes with these sort of films that you kind of want there to be and I feel like Halloween had it at points but it just didn't go hardcore enough and there were certain moments where the film was trying to be funny and it wasn't that funny and then there was other times where it was funny but not intentionally funny. Sometimes when the music would kick in or it was trying to be serious or for all the realism that the film had implemented there's these really silly or you know just bizarrely stupid moments where characters are falling over or interacting in a way that just doesn't seem realistic and you're laughing at the foolishness of it all but you know you're supposed to be taking it seriously and I feel like uh, the film just had some moments where you're just like I'm, I know I'm supposed to be taking this seriously but I can't because it's so absurd or silly and I don't know if that's just me but there were certain times where the film just felt like it was at odds with how it wanted to betray you know not only Michael Myers but this story and the way in which you know the human characters well obviously everyone's human but yeah the way in which you know the normal characters interact with each other some of it worked and it worked in a realistic and you know natural kind of way and other times it was just like well this is just silly I'm kind of laughing at this film and I shouldn't be laughing but you know there you go Alright, and now it's time to talk about the cast, and for the most part, everybody was really good, besides a few people that were like, you know, just a few throwaway characters, or just didn't have that much significance on the plot itself, everyone was really good. So let's start off with Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode, I loved her, she was really good, it was really interesting to see this character who had been, you know, was it, mentally scarred by this traumatic experience from years ago, to the point where she's pretty much done a Sarah Connor and just decided you know what screw it I am not going to be in a position of weakness ever again I'm gonna train myself gonna train my family I'm going to be prepared and I love how even though she's trained herself to be so set up for this um, dramatic 
confrontation with someone that's given us so much mental suffering over the years she's still you know was it having these sort of episodes where she breaks down she's not not quite sure of herself she has problems with drinking and obviously she's estranged from her family like i said before which like leads to you know all sorts of um interesting conversations between her and her granddaughter but obviously certain confrontations that she has with her daughter considering how she had to grow up in an environment that was just you know obviously not the best for a kid growing up but I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was great she played this wonderful balance between being so strong and efficient but also being scared and vulnerable she was great Judy Greer as uh, her daughter Karen I thought she was good at first I was really really annoyed with her and Judy Greer is normally an actress that I like in most things but here she just pissed me off I can understand her characters like you know was it suffering because obviously as a kid she grew up being the daughter of someone who was you know was it mentally scarred by a traumatic experience from childhood and her childhood was taken away from her because she was trained to you know pretty much be ready for this nutcase who may never ever you know come out of his prison and you know her childhood was ruined so she holds a lot of animosity towards her mother and um she's just chosen to like completely dash this woman to the side so i can understand that but when all these crazy things starts happening the fact that she doesn't at least get with the program or at least is open to the idea that something might go wrong until you know stuff really starts to hit the fan it frustrated me but as the film went on and then we actually saw how she ended up contributing to the final part of the film really good solid stuff and then there's newcomer Andy Maycheck is that how you say her name I probably butchered that last name but yeah her as the granddaughter Allison who um, has a really nice interesting relationship with um, her grandmother Lori I liked her part in this film she was young she had this like nice little life obviously is always concerned about her grandmother and has this sort of strained relationship with her mother because of the way in which she treats you know her mother but yeah I like seeing how she you know factored into the grand scheme of things she has some interesting you know was it dramas of her own and interesting stuff going on with her high school and that boyfriend she's hanging around with and some of the characters that she knows that was pretty cool and Will Patton as Frank Hawkins the sheriff from like you know the first film I like seeing him again and you know seeing how he contributed to this film he had a lot of really fun and interesting moments especially with Laurie and James Jude Courtney who played Michael Myers obviously you can't see his face besides like these sort of obscured shots of him here and there but Michael Myers as a character in this film good gravy was cool obviously in these sort of films you're not meant to root for the bad guy but this dude he sort of walks the line between being human and some sort of supernatural entity of death he's just intense sometimes he seems like he's calculated he's doing things in a sort of at least a way that you can sort of understand but then there's certain times where he is you know just do, walking around in plain sight strolling around or hiding in the most bizarre place and you're just like what the hell I are you you know serious are you smart are you stupid but the thing is, since he's a psychopath, you can't really tell what's going on in his mindset. So there's certain times where you think this guy is just bizarre or silly or something like that. But then there's other times where he's just running around, killing people left, right and center in the most filth ways. And it's so interesting to watch. So if obviously you like gore or, you know, you don't mind it, 
some good stuff in here. So with all that said, I'm sort of skipping into the presentation department. So let me just jump into that. Presentation-wise, I thought this film was pretty good. There was some really unique and good stuff done with uh, the way in which they presented some of the the blood, the death, the gore, the way in which some of the setup to um, some of these kills happen, the way the camera lingers on certain scenes. There's one death scene which involved lights turning on and off, which was really interesting. And obviously in the trailer you see the bit with the teeth, which is pretty cool. And the way in which he just shank up some people, there's something involving a gate, which was really cool. Um, he uses so many different types of weapons and the way in which some of these people get messed up, you're like, damn, some of these people were just innocent bystanders and they just got wrecked. I feel like the way in which the film was shot was good, but again, I feel like if they had used some sort of a... Uh, Something to do with like, you know, the color filtering, if they had made it the film a little darker and grainier, maybe sort of similar to what they did with it, that would have been a little bit nicer. And when it comes to the film score, obviously John Carper, what I heard that he had come back to, you know, was it work on the film score that he had popularized himself way back when in the late 70s. I was like, yo, this is cool. And obviously the Halloween theme song is one of the most notable themes in all of film and anyone who's old enough knows of that sort of everyone knows what that is. I love that theme song. It's single-handedly like, you know, was it really cool and badass, but at the same time there is a sort of fear factor to it. But at the same time, it's been used in a more comical manner for like a lot of memes in like, you know, the last few years, so I guess that sort of scary effect has been lost. And I've always found with horror films, most films are better without the music and it's just more just atmospheric sound that works. And so here's the thing about the theme song, when it's used sparingly in just pieces as build up towards a certain sequence is great. And sometimes when you hear the theme song in the film it sort of works but then there's other times where you're just like, this, this song feels out of place in this sort of modern version of Halloween, just let the sound of silence and ambience just do its job and I feel like the fear and you know his anxiety would be a lot better without the music and so now we come to the conclusion what did I think of Halloween I thought it was a pretty good movie but it could have been a lot scarier we have had some pretty good scary movies over the last few years or at least films to have that sense of fear dread and overall like you know uncomfortableness that comes with good horror films and you know after films like Don't Breathe, It, Green Room, The Conjuring movies, some people that even like you know is it that Evil Dead remake as well. I even forgot to mention a few times A Quiet Place as well. A Quiet Place, that's the film I kept forgetting to mention. That film from earlier this year now, that film had tension and suspense and mystery and that film oh, made me uncomfortable but in the right kind of way. And, you know, was it compared to A Quiet Place? This film just doesn't have that same level of tension and fear. But obviously, that's a totally different situation. But the point I'm getting at is Halloween, when it works, it works. But then there's certain times where it just could have gone a little deeper with, you know, was it the fear and the build up and suspense and stuff like that. The cast are really good. I really enjoyed what they did with some of the female characters and the themes and, you know, adding a little bit more realism to it. And there's one other thing about this film. There is this one little black kid whose name I don't know, but he was being babysat by the friend of Allison. And he was the coolest dude ever. He was smug, very self-aware. He, and he's not one of those annoying little kids that you find in some of these movies that you just want to, like, you know, is it tell him to get off the damn screen? 
he was delightful. He was just a really fun little dude who was funny, witty, and um, young enough to still be afraid. But like, you know, was it smart enough that he, you know, had some really good dialogue and interaction? He was one of my favorite parts of the film. You'll know him when you see him. He's a great guy. So overall, Halloween, pretty good. Not great, but still worth a watch. All right. And now with both of those films talked about, I think I'll bring another episode of the podcast to a close. Thank you for listening. Obviously, this episode was a little less focused than usual, and I did go on a bit about some of these films more so than I expected, but I did have a fair amount to say, but I felt like putting them both in the same episode just would have been more of a benefit than doing two separate episodes. And yeah, I mean, I could discuss these films for a while, so if you do have anything to say about Bohemian Rhapsody or Halloween, or both, please be sure to drop some comments in that comment section below or holler at me on Twitter where I am at hypersun 55 or at filmfocus55 or via the email thehypersonic 555 at gmail.com please be sure to drop by the hypersonic55.wordpress.com website where I still post occasional written pieces of material I'm going to be doing some written TV stuff soon and some other random stuff so it'd be nice to have you drop by maybe subscribe and yeah be sure to check this podcast out on SoundCloud or iTunes please be sure to follow and give me some good ratings because we want to go about and grow this podcast into something special so until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace.